In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. And now you take that same coping mechanism and you bring it into your teenage world and then your adult life. And what you're doing is you run away emotional distress. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for today's show. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's guest. This guy's helped hundreds of men understand how to love deal with their baggage, and recognize relational blind spots. I'm sure none of you have any of those issues anyway. Hey, guys, thanks again for making us number one podcast for Christian men on Spotify. We just appreciate our heroes so much. And uh, guys, want to give you a man law today, which is supplied by one of our heroes, Eric Stubbs. And Eric says, real men don't cry. We just sweat profusely from our eyes notice how he said we and not they so that's good stuff eric hey man thanks buddy sure appreciate you uh chiming in with your man law and then i want to share a hero story this week uh this one comes uh, through our website our info at email address a guy named brian emailed us and said hey i want to say thank you the podcast your books and your example of constantly seeking christ has changed my life and so uh, that is a, a massive hero story. That is why we exist. We exist to help you become a better version. We exist to see your life changed because when your life changes, everybody else's changes because when a man gets it, everyone wins. So Brian, thanks so much, guys. Hey guys, if we use your man law or if we use your hero story, email us your address to info at menintherena.org. We'll send you some swag just to say thanks for your contribution. I'm really excited today to have uh, our guest on the show, Dr. Eddie Caparucci. He's married to his beautiful wife of 24 years, Terry. They live in North Carolina. Dr. Caparucci is a licensed Christian counselor certified in treating problematic sexual behaviors and the creator of the inner child model for treating sex addictions. He's the author of several books, including Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots, which is our subject for today. So guys, listen, I know as soon as you hear sex addiction, you're going to run because we've had so many guests. This is not a show about sex addiction. It's more a show about how do you, as a man, dive deeper 
into the relationships with those that you're called to love. This is a massive, in fact, in fact, uh, Eddie, this is a, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter five, four times Paul tells men to love their wives. And only one, one time, he never tells wives to love ever, but he does tell them to respect their husbands. And I think one of the reasons why is because men, our default just isn't love. We don't do it well. I, I'm so excited to have you on to, to help us love the people we're called to love better. So can you just tell us your story before we get into some of our interview stuff? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, thank you for having me. Second of all, you're absolutely, absolutely right about Ephesians and what that says. And, and you know, because men, we're more driven by respect, you know, uh, than we mm-hmm. are about mm-hmm. love. And you're right. When it comes yep. to love, we're just not really, really equipped in that area. So anyway, um, I am a licensed uh, professional counselor, as you mentioned, and I do specialized in the area of sex and pornography addiction. Um, I've worked with men for about 12 years now, helping them to deal with this problem, learn to manage it, because we never it never cures what we do, we manage it. But what I've also noticed over the years with these guys, including myself, who for years struggled with my own sexual addiction, um, is that we also struggle to emotionally connect and bond. Now, that being Mm -hmm. said, that is not exclusive just for those who struggle with an addiction. There are many men out there who struggle to emotionally connect and engage. And it is a major complaint of the women who are, you know, in our lives, who just, they're, they're, they're lonely, they're frustrated, they feel like they don't have somebody who's paying attention to them. And a lot of it all has to do with the idea that we did not get some of the guidance and training we needed early in our childhood development. Yeah, that's really good. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate uh, what you bring to the table for men. But you know what I'm going to do? Can I call you Eddie? You can call me Eddie. Okay. So, Eddie, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw you to the wolves right now. I'm going to throw you into our rapid fire round. And I think you can handle this because you are a fellow Italian. Right, right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, man. But you're Italian. Right you're, out of the gate. You can handle I'm this. I'm going to save it for later. No, okay. no. I, the, the, the Italians okay, can handle it. Because right. I know because I'm one. So, I'm gonna, so I can throw you in there. So <laughs> I've, I've pulled a five <laughs> words or phrases okay. out of your book. And I just want you to explain them. Okay. So here's the first one, inner child, inner child. Yeah, the inner child is part of us that's locked in this time warp. Well, going back to ages somewhere between 4 and 14. And what he's surrounded by are all of the pain points that we struggled with in growing up, whether they were traumas or neglect. And in a lot of cases, what it is, it's more about not having people around us who are emotionally Mm. connecting with us, people who don't say how much they love you. They don't wrap their arms around you. Uh, They give you a sense that there's something wrong with you. That's what our inner child is. And the problem with the inner child is that he gets activated when an event happens in our life today that he correlates with something from our past. And when those two worlds collide, oh, our anxiety level increases. And what we want to do is just run away or we want to shut things down. So we may become overly aggressive or what we may do is try to withdraw 
or reach out to some sort of a behavior that could be very destructive. Yeah, that's I appreciate. I was just with a group of guys last night at a Bible study, and that that came out, and it seems to come out every time. My wife says I don't connect. My wife says I'm not emotionally engaged. I get angry, whatever. And so that was just me sharing. So anyway, so the, the, the next word, the next phrase is blind spots. Yes. Blind spots are, and what I, I, I've identified 14 of them. And what they are is these are attributes or characteristics that were not fully developed that cause us to have relationship issues. They prevent us from truly bonding and connecting with others. So later on in the interview, I'm going to ask you to identify some of the more prominent ones because there are 14. And I I was going Mm -hmm. to go through the entire podcast listing all 14, but there's so much in the book that I want to talk about. We're just going to highlight that on the way by. So just know that's coming. So how about uh, phrase number three, arrested emotional development? Yeah, arrested emotional development, again, goes back to this idea that in our beginning years or our younger years, when we are in those early stages of childhood development, we do not get the thing we need to get in order to be able to be emotionally functioning people. So, for example, trust. How do I learn to trust? Well, I learned to trust as a child that if I turn away from my mother or my dad and I go to explore something, that if I turn back, I'm very confident that they're still there, Mm -hmm. that they haven't left me. That's one of them. The other one is regulating my emotional mood. Again, as a child, you know, we don't usually have the word to describe what we feel. So what do you see in a child more often is anger, is frustration. Parents are supposed to put words to all of that and teach us how to do that. They should teach us how to attune to other people. How if I could kind of pick up and say, wow, you know, Jim's a little bit off today, man. What? What's going on with you? You know, at a young age, you know, we're on the playground or whatever. Um, but most important, I think, is that ability to sit with emotional discomfort. Mm. And if we're not taught how to do that, then what we're going to do at a very young age, we're going to learn a coping mechanism that at that age is a wonderful one. It serves us very well. But it's going to be very destructive when we get older. And what that is, is, well, I don't know what to do with this pain, so I won't think about it. And how do you not think about it? Well, I will distract myself. Too much TV, too much food, too much video game, too much in the way of fantasy in our heads. And now you take that same coping mechanism and you bring it into your teenage world and then your adult life. And what you're doing is you run away from any type of emotional distress in order to just get it out of the way. Wow, that's good. I appreciate that. So here's a long word, alexithymia. Oh, that mean what that basically means is that we have trouble in being able to emotionally express ourselves. We are rather void of emotions. Um, what do you call it? like we call it a flat effect. We don't get very high. We don't get very low. It's just this. You know, like sometimes it's almost in a way 
um, we're just existing. We're not really living. So David Weiss has a phrase called emotional anorexia. Would this be similar? Yeah, emotional. Oh, to to what we did. Uh, yes, it would be definitely. Doug Weiss, yeah. I, oh, Doug Weiss. Doug Weiss, yeah. I, okay, man, I really hacked that. I White. got White. I got alexithymia right, but I okay. couldn't get Weiss right. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Well, I appreciate that. I, I needed some more understanding there. Hey, so let's let's dive into your book today. Let's look at your book. In your book, why men struggle to love, overcoming relational blind spots. It, regarding addictions and relationships, you said being sober isn't enough. Will you elaborate on that? Yes. Um, see, you know what? It's great that if you um, if you struggle with some sort of addiction, let's talk about all addiction. They're not just sex support addiction. Talk about everything. Um, if you struggle with an addiction and you learn how to manage that addiction, that's wonderful. That's amazing. However, the problem is most people who also have an addiction deal with being emotionally undeveloped because, again, they didn't get what they mm. needed in those early stages of childhood development, and they can't sit with emotional discomfort. So being emotionally undeveloped, you still are going to have a lot of issues with your relationship, despite the fact that you may no longer be doing fill in the blank. Okay, I'm no longer drinking. I'm no longer doing drugs. I'm no longer looking at porn. But if that doesn't translate now to a to your relationship and making it a more healthy one, you wind up most likely seeking out something else to distract yourself. So therefore you may dive all into your work. Well, you may dive into just, you know, spending time watching movies and you're not connecting still with your spouse. And the problem is this, the big problem is this, because when it comes to your spouse, they're very worried because they're saying, okay, Mm -hmm. you said you changed. You said you're no longer doing that, but I'm not seeing other changes in you. I'm not seeing you change. I, I see you still spend way too much time on your cell phone. I see that, you know, when you come home, you don't really spend time with me and the kid. You just want to plop down in your in your chair, in your man cave. So I'm not seeing those changes. So if I don't see those changes when you're around me, why should I believe you that you're not doing X, Y, Z when you're not with me? So that's the big problem that we have. So that's why I think being sober is not enough. We need a transformation of the heart. Well, you know, what what I hear you saying is that there needs to be something deeper, something heartfelt. In fact, you actually said in your book, assisting men to manage their addiction resolves only part of a deeper underlying issue impacting them. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, you know, we struggle so often, right, with, with the addiction. Let's figure, what's the addiction? I think addiction co- falls into three components. The first component is unresolved childhood pain points. They're those things, those pains that we have, which our inner child dealing with. The second part of that is our inability to sit with our emotional distress. And the third part is that we are emotionally undeveloped. Put all those things together, and what you have is this cocktail 
that is one that is a recipe for disaster because we're not going to be able to bond and connect with other people. But more importantly, at that point, we're going to seek out other ways to deal with the fact that I'm not, I don't know what emotional intimacy is. Because that's what we're doing. We're struggling to fill a void. And the void is we want emotional connection. But the problem is, Jim, most men don't know it. They're oblivious to the fact that's what they're looking for. And the reason they're oblivious is because they didn't get that training that they needed to in the beginning. So a man who is struggling with emotional intimacy, the symptoms are threefold, right? Right. So can you unpack those three again? Yes. Let's unpack the pain points. Okay. So your childhood pain points, right? These are the things that happened to us when we were much younger. These result in these negative narratives that we have about ourselves. I'm not good enough. I don't belong. Okay. I'm stupid. You know what? I, I'm not um, creative enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm weak. I'm inferior. It's all these negatives that we have, that we wound up developing based on events and circumstances in our life as a child or the people that surrounded us, whether it be parent, sibling, or peers or other people in authority, that we take those to heart. And therefore, we believe whatever an event happened today, like, for example, let's say you grew up in a family where your father is constantly calling you a klutz, always comparing you to your older brother who was a really good athlete. And he goes, you're not a good athlete, you know, and, and you don't have a skill set and you can't even walk a straight line. So now let's say you're at work one day and you go to drink a cup of coffee and you spill it on your shirt. Well, for most of us, it'd be like, well, that's a little embarrassing, but it's not the end of the world. You know, I'll clean it up and I'll just, people will have a good laugh all day, maybe. But for that person who grew up in that environment with that critical father, this is almost like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. You know, people, everybody's going to know that I'm inferior. Everyone's going to know I'm not good enough. That's what's going to be running through their head. And so now their level of anxiety has increased dramatically. And what are they going to do? One, they're going to try to hide from people most of the day, or they're going to maybe even go to the extreme. So therefore, let's say the guy does, you know, engage in pornography. He's grabbing his phone to go to, into the men's room to watch some just to get away from the emotion and those feelings of feeling like I am a klutz. So in your book, you, you said that some of these pain points are subconscious so the man might not even be aware of them how does a guy discover a potential you know these pain points some guys call them a father ruin there's a lot of different phrases for these things but how does a guy discover a pain point in his life he, he if he doesn't even know he has one yeah it takes self-reflection first and foremost go still take let's take a step back it takes the knowledge to understand that there are pain point from your childhood that don't haunt you today. Okay, that's the first yeah. step. I need to understand that. Then with that, now I need to start doing self-reflection of what some of those should be. In my other book, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child 
impacts your sexual addiction. I identified nine kids, and they were dealing with things such as the need for affirmation, need for attention, need for control, a weak, inferior child. So there's nine of them, and what they all do is they deal with, with various childhood pain points that we have suffered. And that all came from my research of working with men over the years that I was able to put together a database of here is almost every conceivable pain point you could have went through as a child. Now, circumstances would always be different because nothing really matches up the same, but it gives them a great starting point to be able to look at and say, oh my God, yes, I do identify with the need for affirmation kid, or oh, I do uh, identify with the stress kid. I grew up in a very anxious environment. So it's, or the bored child, that was another one. You know, the fact is they grew up very isolated and alone and never had much in the way of stimulation. So once they start to identify those kids, with each of the kids, there are what I call core emotional triggers. And what those are the things that you really got to watch out for. What are your core emotional triggers? And those go back to the things I said to you before. You know, I feel weak. I feel uh, inferior. I don't match up or measure up. Uh, I feel left out. It's things like that. So, Eddie, going back even further, at what point does a man forget addictions or any of this stuff? Let's just talk about the husband-wife relationship, the father child relationship at what point does a man go man i think i've got emotional intimacy issues is there uh uh, is there does somebody have to tell them is it relationship failures at what point does a guy go you know what i've got something going on here uh i am relationally challenged on some level how how does that happen i I think there's a couple things that happen uh first and foremost not all men ever get it they don't get it they'll pick it up but in some men what they'll tell you, Jim, is, you know what? I don't feel a lot. And especially when it comes to love, I'm not sure I know what love really is. You know, I mm. really don't mm. know. I, I, I know I, I love my dog, but I'm not sure I love anything else. I don't know what that is. So it's mm. through things like that. But in many cases, a man's going to learn from their relationship, in their relationship, because their partner is going to say to them, I feel unfulfilled. You know, you're just not here for me. You never want to talk about anything. You don't seem to have an interest in who I am or what I or what I am. All you want is to be able to be physical with me. If you're physical with me, we're great. Other than that, you're tossing me aside. And there's a reason for that. Because, again, go back to the idea, emotionally undeveloped men. They don't know what emotional intimacy is. They haven't seen it, and nobody really taught them. So what they think is, oh, I know what intimacy really is. It's being physical. So therefore, if I'm physical with you, I can make you feel so amazing, and therefore you will love me even more. Or I never feel more loved than when you're physical with me. So they build the foundation of the relationship on physical intimacy. That's not the way God designed relationship. 
Relationships are supposed to be built on the foundation of emotional intimacy. And then what we do is we take physical intimacy and we sprinkle it in to reinforce it. And that's why over time, a spouse may start to feel used and feel like, you know, I have one, one wife who told me about a month ago, said, you know what, so sad. If I, if I want to just go sit on the couch with my husband and put my head on his shoulder and just sit there with him, I can't do that. And I said, why? He goes, because you get to reach over and grab my breast. He's going to think I've just given him an invitation to be sexual. He goes, I can't, I cannot be with my husband in an environment where we can just sit there together and be able to kind of just engage, but not go to the sex part of it. Well, you know, that's really interesting because that pride described me the first 10 years of my marriage. And I wonder how much of that was just flat out immaturity. You know, I mean, obviously it was immaturity, but was it lack of training? Was it uh, uh, an emotional immaturity I had to overcome? Mm -hmm. Was it a horny 30-year-old? You know know what I mean? Yeah, but Jim, it's all about emotional immaturity. It's about about emotional Uh, immaturity, and it's about spiritual immaturity. We have both. Uh, There you go. That that's a really good point. I yeah, because once I realized about the once I was able to merge the spiritual maturity with the emotional, that really became a game changer for us. So I really appreciate that point of clarification. So let's move to the second point. So when I'm looking at the symptoms of somebody who's struggling with emotional intimacy, in other words, they are emotionally immature or underdeveloped. The first symptom is to go back and identify those pain points. The second symptom, and you've mentioned this numerous times, and I don't quite get it. Even in the book, I was trying to figure out what it meant. So this is going to be a great point. You said they struggle sitting with emotional discomfort. And can you unpack that? Because I'm a little bit unclear there. Absolutely. See, what happens is, again, let, 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 I'll give you an example. We're young, right? Let's say you, Jim. You're, you're eight years old, and your next door neighbor, he took your Nerf gun and he broke it. And you go home to your dad, you know, you're sitting, you got the pain, my toy is broken. That's your pain, right? You go home and it's like, dad, dad, you know, Bobby, he took my gun and he broke my gun. And so now you're hoping that you're going to get some sort of comforting from your father, that he's going to be there and be understanding of the circumstances. Tell you, hey, you know what? We've all gone through this. Let's figure out what to do. Instead, did I not tell you never to share your toy with anyone else? What did I tell you? You know how much that gun cost me? You know what? I cannot believe you are so irresponsible. You are the most irresponsible boy I've ever known. You know what? Get out of my face. Go to your room. I don't even want to deal with you. So now you're sitting with the pain that your toy is broken, but also it's been compounded by the idea that your father is disappointed in you and the fact that Mm. this is all your fault. So now, what do I do with this? And this goes back to what I said earlier. As a child, because we don't have a lot of worldly experiences, and two, we're more emotionally based in our thinking than we are cognitive, we can't figure out how to solve this or resolve it, okay? 
Instead, what we do is we say, I won't think about it, and we run away. Sitting with emotional pain means I take an issue. So, for example, let's say, you know, I'm looking, I'm ready, I'm hoping I'm going to get a big promotion and I'm waiting, it should be announced in another week, and I'm walking down the hall, and here comes the boss who's going to make that announcement, and he just walks right by me. He doesn't say anything. Mm. All of a sudden, okay, what's my pain point? Uh-oh. He's trying to avoid me. He doesn't really, he knows, he made a decision already. He's going to pick somebody else. Oh my gosh, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I I failed. I was so much expecting to, you know, what was wrong with me that I didn't get chosen. That's the pain, all right? You've got to, but see, instead of running from the pain, like, okay, I'm going to go to the cafeteria and get a double uh, Sunday so I could just go and eat or something like that, okay? No, instead, I said, it would be a double burger, but yeah. <laughs> I sit with this pain for a few minutes, and then this <laughs> is the point. This is the point. What I need to do is slow down. I have to slow everything down. So I slow down. I sat with the pain. I'm worried. What What's the point, pain point? I'm worried I didn't get the job. Mm. I slow down, and the way I slow down, if I move from this emotionally based thinking to rational thinking. And I sit there and I say, okay, what happened? You know what? Well, he walked by me. He didn't say anything. Well, did I not really get the job yet? You know what? I don't have enough information. All I know is, you know, maybe he was in his own head. Maybe he was in space for some reason. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I didn't get the job. You know what? I have to. I have to s- slow this down. I have to just be more relaxed, more calm. That him walking right by me is not a telltale sign. Maybe somebody called him and he's rushing down to somebody else's office because he had something else that was really very important. So let me just step back, relax, realize that you know what? I put in a great effort this year. And I think I do deserve that promotion. I breathe. Mm -hmm. And now I can go and make a healthy decision versus maybe I run off and do something that's not healthy, including withdrawing or including maybe going to him and say, hey, what's the matter? You you know, some people would do something like that. You know, I really feel like you're not going to give me this job, blah, blah, blah. It's like a confrontation. Okay. So, if I'm struggling with emotional intimacy, first, identify my pain points. Second, while I'm in a, a scenario of emotional discomfort, i.e. worry, stop, slow down, allow your emotion to transition to rational thinking, and then allow that to stabilize. Is that correct? Correct. You got it. That's the problem. Okay, man. Perfect. This is a great counseling session. Okay. (laughs) The third, the third point, the third point when I'm uh, struggling with emotional intimacy is to look at my emotional underdevelopment. Can you unpack that? Yeah. Because what I need to understand, if I'm starting to switch over to rational thinking, all right, to understand, okay, you know what? 
I don't always approach things from a rational standpoint because, uh, you know, again, I get caught, caught up in, in the irrational moods. And therefore, and why I get caught in that? Because, again, I struggle with being emotionally undeveloped. So, therefore, part of my problem is I don't want to sit with my pain. So, see, I'm, I'm, I'm convincing myself. I'm walking myself through all of it. Two, I really need to be more, you know, um, mindful at the moment of what the circumstances are. That, you know what, that this may not be what I think it is. The reason I'm c- jumping to conclusion, again, because I'm emotionally undeveloped, I don't really have that skill set. I've been working on it. I'm trying to get it. You know, the other aspect is I'm very compulsive. That's another aspect, okay? You know, if I'm going through your blind spot now. So therefore, I'm very compulsive. I don't, you know what? The last thing I want to do right now is be compulsive. And then you can continue on and on. And you maybe you only have to deal with one element before you are feeling calm. You may need to mm. deal with multiple ones before you get there. Okay, that's really good stuff. So now I'm going to transition a little bit. I'm going to quote you in your book. You said, this book will demonstrate the cornerstone for developing the skill sets needed to give and receive love begins in early childhood development. Some young boys are fortunate enough to be surrounded by caregivers who guide them through the steps of emotional development. As adults, they understand the value of love and put it into practice. So let's transition to dads listening to this. We've got a huge majority of guys listening are, are dads. For fathers, for dads listening, how can a father, and you've already hinted at this, how can a father ensure that his children will grow into healthy adults who are able to give and receive love and are emotionally mature? Right. So if you have children who are very young, okay, we're talking about two to five, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be working with them to, one, develop their sense of trust in you, to say, you know what, I'm a dependable person, I'm reliable, that I will be there for them, that people, they don't have to worry about developing a worldview, worldview that the people who love you are unreliable, okay? They'll know that you are. Two, I'm going to teach them how to regulate their moods. I'm going to give them words for all their emotions, what they do. And I'm going to teach them when they are emotionally upset, I'm going to sit with them and I'm going to talk to them about what they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and how do we move forward from it. Now, transfer if you have kids who are adolescents or teenagers, the things you really want to be doing in those two areas is, again, teaching them to sit with their emotional distress and move to rational thinking, but you also want to help them to become more attuned to other people, to be able to pick up moods. Most importantly, though, you want to start teaching them about empathy and what it means to say, hey, yeah, you know what? You had a problem with so-and-so today, but you know what? Do you have any idea what so-and-so was going through? You know, maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe something was going on in their life. And that's the reason why, you know, you were struggling with them, that they weren't really talking to you for whatever reason. There could be something else that's happening there. 
So you want to constantly be teaching them about the idea that, you know what, life is not black and white. There's so many shades of gray when it comes to relationship. And the fact that we're all different and we have different needs and a real big key, we have different expectations. And when our expectations are not met, that is a lot of the time when conflict will resolve will start. So therefore, we have to understand what was the other person's expectations versus what my expectations were and see how different they were or similar and then how to fix those. So those are just some of the things that a parent could do. But you know what's at the, you know what's at the uh, heart of all that, Jim? Time. Quality uh, time. Spending quality time with them. Well, and that's why it's so important for a dad when he comes home after work, his work really is just starting. He's going to be remembered for what he does between six o'clock and nine o'clock at night, not nine to five. The Absolutely. nine to five people, very few will mourn at his bedside, but those six o'clock to nine o'clock people, they're the ones who will be mourning at his gravesite, and they'll be the ones deciding what goes on that tombstone. That's correct. They will be the yeah. ones writing the epitaph. So he needs to be very, very careful. So, so would you say emotional maturity and emotional IQ are the same thing? Um, not exactly the same thing. Let me, let me talk to you about emotional IQ. There are three okay. components to emotional IQ. The first one is the only emotions I can really identify or the primary one, which are more along the lines of sadness, anger, fear, and happiness. Other than that, I can't tell you what I really feel. Two, if I can identify a different emotion, I have a difficult time expressing it. Why? Mm. Because at some point along the way, when I was younger, I was given a message, whether it be directly or indirectly, that sharing your emotions are not safe. That if I try to, like the kid uh, who goes to his dad to say, dad, look how sad I am because Bobby broke my gun. Not safe. You know what? Don't even bother going to talk about it with anybody. That's number two. And then the third part with the low emotional IQ is the inability to deal with other people's emotion. So therefore your wife comes oh. to you, she's struggling with something, your anxiety start to increase. And so what do we want to do? We want this to go away. We want these emotions to go away. So now we get into the thing that joke about, oh, you know what? Men are always want to men want to fix it. A woman comes to them, and what do men want to do? They want to fix it. Well, we don't want to fix it because we want to show, hey, look how smart I am and how intelligent I, I saved you, honey. No, we want to fix it because we want the emotion to go away. We don't want to deal with it anymore. So it becomes that or what we're going to do if we're going to be trying to shut it down by minimizing. I don't know what you're worrying about. It's not a big deal. You really should get over it. Or we're going to withdraw. So those are the three aspects of a low emotional IQ. When you talk about somebody who's emotionally immature, what that means is the fact that they struggle to just overall connect 
an emotional relationship. So the emotional IQ is part of the overall problem of being emotionally undeveloped. Man, that is that is really good. I really appreciate that. You had said earlier that part of a, a dad's job, because that's our audience, is to stay help their children to stay in tune with other people. In other words, to show empathy, to stay in tuned. I'm gonna I'm gonna reword this. Tell me if I'm wrong. To learn how to read the emotional state of being in others. That's correct. Okay. So so you had, and then, and so in your book, you said genuine connection is the ability to read a person's mood and offer our time and interest to assist that individual. Is that what it means to connect emotionally? Yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. It's, it's a big part because again, and this is probably the part that in most relationship that the partner has a difficult time with. The wife has a difficult time with because you feel like you get a sense that you don't try to read me. You don't you don't show an interest in who I am and what's going on in my life. You're, we're just we're just like coexisting together. And that is one of the things that's so important. And that's why we go back to the blind spot. One of them is curiosity. To be able Yes, to- I remember reading that. That was so interesting when I saw that. Yeah, I thought that not, was the, the fourteen of the 14, that was the most obscure to me. But once you unpacked it, I thought, man, that is really, really cool. Yeah, I think I even mentioned in the beginning of the chapters, like, wow, curiosity. Why do you think that? Who would think that this would be something that you'd be talking about with relationship? But if you think about it, Jim, if we're not curious about one another, then what kind of relationship do we have? Okay, I'm just going to be talking about yeah. myself all the time. And that's not, you know, that's not cool. Nobody's going to want that. So therefore, that idea of curiosity is so important because, again, it's all about demonstrating interest. A person who is emotionally undeveloped doesn't know how to show interest because I don't know what to say. I don't know what question to ask. I may say the wrong thing and somebody can get mad at me or they're going to think I'm stupid. Oh, but I do know one way I could show interest in you is I can be physical. But that's so one sided and it's, it's okay. I, I can't even go there. That's so archaic. It's, but you're right. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I'm very open on this show about our, my marriage. And we've had, uh, we struggled our first two years and then we made, we transcended and transitioned into a really nice marriage. And, and now, uh, it's really a, a beautiful marriage. And I think the thing that we've done really well, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I've done this well as a husband is I've stayed very connected to her emotions and her spirit, right? And so being connected to her spirit and her emotions, you know, guys like, Oh, I can't, I can't get her, you know, can't get sex. I can't open up her legs. I'm like, well, maybe you should try opening up her spirit first. Maybe you should try connecting with her emotionally first, then watch what happens to your sex life. And I think maybe as guys, we've got it backwards. Well, we do. Remember what I said to you before? Connecting with them. They, remember I said that we built those. You said a lot of cool things. We, We build relationships on physical intimacy. And then we'll sprinkle the emotional. Yes, yeah, in. That's yeah. it. You're right. We have it backwards. 
We really do. And guys, I, I want you to listen to what we are hearing here. If you are struggling to connect with your wife, try connecting with her heart. Try that. Amen. Just walk in the door. How you doing, honey? And then you put her in a framed picture and you just stare at that frame and keep her in that frame and she shares her heart with you. And and what I've found with my wife, Eddie, is all I have to do is say, Hey honey, tell me about your day. And man, it's a the floodgates open. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, that's just how we and when my wife is sending me these constant texts, you know, answering them and responding to her. You know, I don't always get that part right because sometimes it gets a little, you know, because they, they're they masters of connection. They're they're You know, Gary Smalley used to call women. They are the thermo- they are the, the the thermometer of the relationship. Hmm. You know, so they help us as guys regulate where we are. So what would you say to a guy who's saying, OK, I hear you. But I am really, really struggling. I don't know how to connect. Like, I just, at, at the, I just, I'm failing with my wife and kids. Get, throw me a bone doc. <laughs> right. And I, and I will. I'll throw you a whole book that has a lot of bones. Yeah. In it, okay. You'll be eating those bones for years to come. Just, um, yeah. That yeah. Beca- first, you need to understand, okay, that what we've been talking about, Jim, I think if a lot, I think people are starting to get the idea that what comprises a relationship are many different components. It's not just, oh, emotional connection and physical connection. No, that's not it. And that's where the blind spot come to be. And so, therefore, for men to be able to go in and look at those 14, and most men identify with anywhere between 8 and 10. Okay, there's a lot of blind spots they're connecting with. Yeah. So, therefore, and then it becomes the idea because in the book, I have all the various antidotes for each. You go in, and you pick the ones, and that's why I put a lot in each chapter. Because not every antidote is one that you may want to implement or be able to feel comfortable implementing. So therefore, it's like, you know what? Let me pick and choose the one that I think will help me the, the best. There was a book I read, uh, How We Love, by Mylon Yurkovich, a great book about attachment disorder as such. And in there, there was one exercise that it talked about in order to help kind of build emotional intimacy where the wife sits on the couch and the man lays next to her and puts his head in her, on her lap and she sits there and she just strokes his hair. And I was mm. like, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not doing that. Okay, that that like crosses the line for me. I don't want to go there. I've watched my wife's feet. I've done that, but I don't want to. I'll do it for her, but I don't want that. So therefore, that's why I tried to make sure there was enough ideas in there that men mm-hmm. would be to say, some I'm comfortable with, some I'm not, because it's no good to give people tools and they can't use them. So anyway, that's yeah. where I think you start. I think you start by looking at the blind spot and then just starting to pick them off one at a time. Plus, you also start talking to other people. You look at people who have, who you think have a good marriage and you pull your buddy aside and you tell like somebody might come and talk to you. Could you talk about your marriage and say, so how did you get there? What was some of the first steps that you took? You know, we're on a vision. We're on a journey. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a journey of self-reflection. 
That's what all of this is about. Why? Why do I think, feel, and do the things I do? Because as you start mm-hmm. to uncover those and you start to come up with new behaviors, new ways of thinking, new emotions that you're experiencing, you become empowered. You're empowered. And therefore, with that power, you have more confidence. So, Jim, if you think about it, okay, an emotionally undeveloped man, what is something he's going to be lacking? That's going to be confidence. Okay. Mm. And that is a key thing we need in relationship. So, therefore, the other aspect that we're looking for when we're saying, okay, how do I learn to emotionally connect? is to build that confidence in ourselves. And we do that by, as I said, going back over some of those blind spots, looking at those, what are the antidotes we want to use, talking to people who have been, you know, in good relationships. There's also a wonderful organization out there called Emotions Anonymous. And they have online meetings huh. and you could, yeah, I know, right? They're, they're been anonymous for everything. And they have emotion <laughs> anonymous and you could go in and you could start taking, going to those meetings and therefore learning more about how to share various emotions, how to be more. This is a big key. I just thought about this. The big key, Jim, is that is vulnerable. Vulnerable is like a dirty word for many men. And we need to learn to be vulnerable. See, the reason we're not is because, again, fear. There's a fear that if I'm vulnerable, this is like sharing emotions, right? If I'm vulnerable, mm-hmm. something something bad's going to happen, okay? I, I'm going to get made fun of. I'm going to be shut down. I'm not going to be validated. We have to take the chance. We have to hold on to our fear, which is one of those discomfort, right? And we have to move forward and be be vulnerable with other people. That is one of the true methods of learning how to be more emotionally connected. That's really interesting. Okay, so what about this? What about a man going to his wife saying, I am emotionally disabled. I'm emotionally challenged. I'm emotionally mature. Can you help me? It, it seems like women are naturally better at this than men. Would that be inappropriate for a man in vulnerability to go ask his wife to help him? Oh, my gosh. I think she'd throw herself, throw her arms around him and say, thank you. Thank you. This is the moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> no, don't you dare do that. These guys are going to go back and try to get sex that way. They're trying to be, do that. No, no, guys, do not get the, do not do that to get sex because that is like two steps forward, one step back. But I, I think you're right, though. I think it's important. And I'll tell you what else I think is important is for a dad to say to his kids, you know, I, I don't always react and respond the right way. But if, 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 if I hurt you, if you can let daddy know, and I will make that right because we all have those moments when we hurt our kids. And I think for the Christian man, it's important for that guy goes back him to go back and say, you know, I said something to you that was insensitive and I think mm-hmm. I hurt your feelings. And will you forgive me? You know what? What are you talking about? Humility, right? Yeah. A humbleness. 
that we need that humbleness. I'm a major, I believe that if we look at the Christian life, our foundation should be, of course, faith. But the next mm-hmm. stepping stone, it better be humility. Because if it really it's not, has to be. Yeah, if it's not, the rest of it is a house of cards. So what you're talking about is being real with your kids to say, hey, you know what? I know I've made mistakes. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. Those are teaching moments. And you know what? I'm yeah. going to try to get it right. I'm going to try to be better. Again, I can't tell you I'm going to be perfect because I'm not. But I'm gonna, but I recognize some of the things I've done wrong. But I love the idea about the wife. I think you're right. But <laughs> do not use it as a means of trying to get sex. That would not be good. Well, and I think for in my own personal journey, I began to grow uh, emotionally, I guess you would say, when I started doing things for Shanna without this reciprocation expectation. In other words, I used to say, I'm giving you a massage, and she'd be like, okay. And that was like, okay, you get sex later. But I transitioned to a point where I just gave her the foot massage or whatever because I love her. In fact, I mean, I give her the foot massage all the time. It's like a go-to for her. Mm. She just gets a foot massage. And there's no expectation attached to it. Now, has it changed our sex life? My emotional growth has completely changed our sex life. But that wasn't the reason. The reason was to connect and love my wife as Christ loves the church. What you're talking about now is motives. What are my motives? And that yes. goes back to my that goes back to my first book of removing your shame label. And there's a whole chapter in there about our motives. And if our motives are oh. sincere, if they're sincere, we're going to see great fruit that is produced. If they are not sincere, we are going to cause even more havoc in our life along the way. So it's a great that's a great point you bring up. No, that's 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 some solid information for guys, Eddie. I think guys and you know, we haven't even talked about pornography at all. Because really not sure we this have is to. much deeper. <laughs> this is much deeper. And it's so good. And so I think we're running out of time here, Eddie. Uh, there's so much more in your book. And I really appreciate you coming on. If you could if I'm going to read one quote from your book, and I'm going to just ask you to respond to this quote. All right. It's time to grow up. This is your quote. It's time to grow up and take charge of your life and relationships. Just like you would hit the gym to build your body's muscle. You need to improve your emotional intimacy muscle. Jim, yes, our emotional muscles are weak. And just like I said in the book, you know, like any other muscle, we have to work on them and strengthen them. If you want to have an abundant life, if you want to have a marriage that you feel is fulfilling, then what you need to do is put in that effort and that time to build that emotional muscle. You could have a wonderful, you know, spiritual muscle. You may have a great, you know, uh, spiritual muscle, but that emotional one is the one that really allows us to live life to the fullest. Yeah, that that is really powerful. I think we've given our guys some outstanding tools today to not only become better versions of themselves, but better husbands, better fathers, better friends, actually. And so, Eddie, I really appreciate you coming on our show. How can our guys pick up your resources? 
Uh, the books, all my books are available on Amazon, uh, exclusively at Amazon. So if you go into Google Caparucci, uh, you can find them there. Uh, they could also go to website, the www.strugglingmen.org or www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com. Man, I really appreciate it. Hey, guys, what's next, guys? What action step are you going to take because of what you heard today? And I'm going to give you such a simple action step today. This is going to be so easy for you guys. I just want you to come home from work, sit down with your wife and say, honey, how was your day? I really want to hear about your day today. And maybe put your hand on her, hold her hand or rub her feet and just listen. Just listen. Your goal is to open up her spirit and to listen to your wife, and you're not allowed to think about sex at all. Just listen to your wife, connect with your wife, and let's see what happens next. So, guys, thanks so much for being a part of this show. Eddie, thanks so much for coming on. Sure appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate it. Man, what a great time today we had. So, man, make sure you head over to our uh, website at menandarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. It's a great book. Another way for you to connect with your kids and make sure you sign up to join one of our virtual teams by clicking the join our program button. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.